in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, if you'll turn to that scripture, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. Last week we talked about this passage of scripture and where Peter uh, brings our attention to something that's, I guess, that's always in, in our mind, always present in our mind, and that is that the end is near. How many of you have ever seen a sign like that? You've heard something along that line, the end is near, the end is near. Well, he tells us that, and then he tells us some very practical things that we need to do to get ready for the end when the end comes. You know, I've heard a lot of different messages about end times and what we need to do to prepare uh, for the coming of the Lord and for his judgment upon the world, for him to catch us away. Um, But I don't think I've ever heard anybody really preach or teach along this passage of Scripture and really emphasizing... The, the importance of what Peter has to say here about the end times. So 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, he says, The end of all things is near. Not some things, but all things. The end of all things is near. Now just think about that for just a second. The end of all things is near. Everything that you know that uh, as it is right now in this world, in, in your life, is going to come to an end. Now, we know that, uh, you know, the end could come by the way of a grave or it could come by the way of rapture. There's, uh, you know, we just, because we don't know the exact time that the Lord is going to come. But Hebrews tells us that it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. So we know that there's an appointed time for us to, to finish up our assignment here on this earth and to go be with Jesus. That's great. I hope every one of you are ready for that. That's going to be um, a change in our life. But Peter's talking about the end, the end of all things here on the earth and when Christ will come and then things will be changed and he will rule and reign. So he says the end of all things is near or it means in the Greek means is growing closer, is is nigh, it's coming about. Therefore, he says, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. We went through this and we talked about there's four specific instructions that the that. Peter gives to us here, and then he gives to us a, a, a life goal to, to look forward to. We talked about three of the instructions last week, so we'll just briefly touch on them to re- remind us of, of what he's saying. And this is the first one. He says, therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Clear-minded and self-controlled. What does that mean? Sober-minded. Be clear-minded. It means, and I titled, or I put on here for me to remember this, praying before swaying. Before swaying. Before getting influenced by the world uh, and praying according to how I'm influenced, whether it's I'm either out of fear or frustration or anger or lust or whatever, however you or I might be influenced by the world, that would, in, that would, that would direct or influence our prayers. He says, wait a minute, be clear-minded, and, and he also says to be self-controlled so that you can pray. People... If we're going to prepare for the end times, we've got to be able to pray. We've got to be able to pray according to God's will. We've got to be able to pray what he wants, not what we want. Most of our prayer consists of, Lord, give me this, give me this, give me this. Lord, get, can you get that for me, Lord? And while you're down there, pick that up for me also. And we've got a little list for the Lord to tell him what we want him to do. We want him serving us instead of us serving him. And Peter is saying, hey, prepare for the end. And the way that you do that is that you need to be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. 
pray according to the way that God needs us to pray here on earth. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. God needs his people to be able to pray prayers that he's directing. Amen? The most, one of the, the greatest unused resources that we have as Christians is prayer. And praying Christians is what holds back that spirit of Antichrist, is what it says in Thessalonians. That the hindering one that's hindering that, that, uh, uh, that man of sin that, that, that will be coming. So powerful, powerful uh, force when we pray. And so Peter's saying, prepare for the end, be clear-minded, be self-controlled so that, you can, so that you can pray. Don't be influenced by the world, by your hobbies, your habits, or your hang-ups, or, or whatever else is around you. Be clear-minded. Then he goes to verse 80, he says, above all, now here we go, above everything else, here's the cardinal rule, above all, love each other deeply. Love each other deeply. We talked in depth about that, and that word deeply, it's, it's given almost like in an athletic sense of where it's deep straining of muscles pushing forward. Everything you've got, unconditionally love, then it says uh, love each other. Love each other deeply. We're going to prepare for the end. If you want to be in that bridal company that he's coming back for, those that he comes and he says that when he looks and uh, they're ready for him, you've got to be a person that loves unconditionally. That doesn't mean that you enable people around you, that you, that you put up with things, in other words, so that you're enabling a person to uh, self-destruct. No, real love looks through and sees that need in their life and helps them to be able to get to the point of where they are, then they are in God's will. Loving them the way God loves us. God looked beyond my faults and he saw my needs. He loved me. When, when I was unlovable, God loved me. Now think about that. I'm sure that there are people in your life that are unlovable. But perhaps God put them into your life for a season or for a reason for you to love them unconditionally because if you don't, who will? Other people around you might say, I don't know why in the world you, that you even put up with that person the way they are. And you might say, well, if I don't, who will? So unconditionally, he says, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. In other words, it, over, it overlooks those sins and looks at the need. It does, it, there's no conditions on your love. You know, it's easy to love someone when they're loving you, right? What's hard is to love somebody when they don't love you. Uh, or, you know, so love them unconditionally. And that's, we talked in depth about that. And he says, because love covers a multitude of sins. So loving without, um, uh, in, in, with, with no conditions. And then verse 9, off, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Offer hospitality without grumbling. To be hospitable without being pitiful. <laughs> I don't know. It really, my, what, how I remember that was sustaining without complaining. Uh, to be, hospitality is seeing a need and meeting it, finding a hurt and healing it. Hospitality is helping someone in their area of needs unconditionally. Um, whatever their needs are, to help them. You know, we need to look around and see who God has placed around us that we can help. Most of the time, we look with eyes of saying, what can you do for me? You know, what, do I, what am I going to get out of this? We base relationships upon, what am I going to get out of this? You know, um, I offer this much of my effort to this relationship based upon what I think I'm going to get out of it. 
Uh-oh, that's what the world says. But what we need to do is we need to see the need. If we're loving unconditionally already and we're praying with a clear mind, knowing the will of God, then hopefully we'll know what that need is in their life and then we will be hospitable without complaining about it. You know, sometimes we help somebody and says, oh, you know, I had to give them 20 bucks to get gas, to get on down the road. I tell you, I don't know about them. Sometimes I just think they're worthless. Now, wait a minute. You're grumbling and complaining about that. You didn't lift that person up a bit. You were putting them down. You found a convenient way to put them down. Hello. Hmm. Offer hospitality to, to one another without grumbling. We need to be willing to help somebody. It's like, well, every time I turn around, they're needing something. Well, praise God, you're there to help. What do you want God to do? Just take you on to heaven if you're not going to be of any earthly good? What do you think you're here for? To suck air and grow, grow old? <laughs> no, we're here to, to glorify God, right? We're not here because of us. We're here because of Him. We're here to advance His kingdom, not to advance our kingdom. What we have belongs to Him. He blesses it and enables us to go and to be able to, to be a blessing for Him. If not, then you know what? He takes His hands off. He just steps back. Oh, go ahead about your own bad self. You think you can handle it? Go right ahead. Just go right ahead. Hmm. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever had a, a spell in your life, a spell, you know, that means a time frame, a little season in your life where God stepped back and let you handle it on your own. I have. I know y'all aren't like me. You know, I, I'm just so, such of a heathen that God has to treat me like that. I know God never did that to anybody else. But there's time when, you know, God says, oh, okay, well, go right ahead. You got this. I got this, Lord. In fact, you know, I used to think, well, bless his heart. Poor God. He's having to do everything. I'll just help you out, God. You can just go help somebody else out now. Because I got this. Oh, you do? Okay. Well, you go right ahead. You just go right ahead. Boy, you know, I never got very far. <laughs> my ways are not his ways, and his ways are not my ways. Amen? But uh, we need to be hearing him, and we need to be about his business, not our business. So it says there in verse 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Then verse 10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Let's read the other verses. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. When I stand behind this pulpit and I bring the, the, the word that, that God has for this congregation, when I speak, I need to do so as the very words of God. Amen. I'll be held accountable for it. And each one of us will be also, when we give instruction, when we are giving spiritual insight, we need to speak as the very words of God. What we say is so important. There's the power of life and death is in our tongue. And we need to consider what we say and be careful what we say and how we say it because it can come in at like, a, like a, a, a sharp sword and cut somebody to pieces. Be careful. Some people are very skilled at cutting you to pieces with their words and just be able to step back and laugh about it inside. We don't need to be that type of person, amen? We need to have soothing words and we need to speak as God says. So anyone who serves, then he says, should do it with the strength God provides. Not out of our strength, but out of the strength that God provides. So that in all things God may be praised. Here it is. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. And we ought to say amen to that. Amen? amen. So 
let's, let's go back here to this verse 10 where we see this, the part of this instruction that Peter gives us, serving without deserving. We need to serve someone even when they don't deserve it. God gives each one to, uh, of us a, a gift, a ministry gift. We get confused about spiritual gifts because there's three categories of spiritual gifts. We find it in 1 in Corinthians, Paul talk, I mean, yeah, Paul's writing to the Corinthians and he breaks it down and he says that the Spirit oversees certain gifts and that's the manifestation gifts. And then he says, and the Lord, uh, he said the ministry gifts there, the Lord oversees those. And then he talks about some others that God oversees these other gifts. Those are the motivational gifts. God has created each one of us and designed us and stirred us up, blended us together with specific, unique talents and abilities. Why don't you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. Let's look at this because we get confused. There are certain spiritual gifts that are resident and permanent in us that continue to develop and grow. There are other gifts, gifts of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit oversees that are not permanent, that do not reside permanently in you, but the Holy Spirit brings to each believer, the one that is receptive, the, the best gift at the time, whatever gift is needed at that particular time. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, <clears throat> Paul writes and he says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. So the Holy Spirit oversees these manifestation gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, we see that there's the power gifts, there's the, 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 the gifts of the speaking gifts, and, and there's uh, the gifts of, of faith and various things through, that list through there. And he says, he goes on to say, uh, so there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service or ministries, but the same Lord. So the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, oversees ministry gifts. We find him in, first, first, I mean in Ephesians chapter 4, and, and the verses through there where he says he's given some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. And so we see that, there's, that the Lord Jesus oversees ministry gifts because we're to minister the body one to another and developing, becoming more and more like Christ. He goes on to say in verse 6, there are different kinds of workings, but in all, but in all of them and in, in everyone, it is the same God that works. These workings are the way that we were made up, the way we, we work, the way we live, the way we approach situations, the way we solve problems. One person can see a problem and, and uh, they'll get everything lined out. They'll get six or seven people all organized for it. They got the, this ministry gift of organization and uh, they get it lined out. Uh, somebody else, maybe they have that, the, the gift of a giver and, and they'll figure out, oh, it's going to cost this and that and they'll, they'll get a budget ready for it. Somebody else's, their prophetic motivation, and uh, they see black and white. They say, well, you know what? Must, somebody must have sinned, had sin in their life. That's why this even happened in the first place. You know, somebody else's mercy has that mercy. If these are all in Romans chapter 12, by the way, and they'll look at it, and, and they'll come to soothe and comfort the person that is having the problem while they're going through the challenge and the, and the problem. You know, there's the server. So all these are motivational gifts. These are workings that uh, God, before the foundation of the world, designed you and he made you this particular way. Just like we have unique fingerprints and, and various things, you have a unique attitude. Yeah, yeah you really do. <laughs> you know, we're all different and God wants us to be that way. And so with all these differences, we come together in the body and the body is so strong out of all this diversity. 
God brings unity. And when there is unity, in, when diversity is present and unity can exist, that's a miracle. Yeah. You know, just a, as an example, in your, in your own body, your right eye and your left eye, when you have them open, you know, you're seeing, you have a field of vision. But if you put, you know, your hand over one eye, now your field of vision is a certain way. Your left eye sees things a certain way. Maybe you have some adjustments. Maybe you wear contacts or, or glasses and there are certain adjustments on your left eye that's not the same as your right. And then you can look and your right eye sees certain things a certain way. But when you put it together, this diversity of the left eye and the right eye even though they are diverse, when they work in unity, you have this field of vision that's amazing. It's the same way with us as believers. We all see things differently and, and do things a little differently, but when we all work together in unity, it creates a miracle. God can use that, and we're so strong together. So that's what he's talking about there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that uh, there are various types of gifts, various types of spiritual gifts Motivational gifts, God oversees those. He puts them in us as we grow and as we uh, learn different things in, our, in life. Then those, those gifts, they develop better in us. Uh, also then these ministry gifts, the Lord Jesus Christ helps to assign us and put us in a place in the body to serve and to minister one to another. He develops, he oversees these things. He knows he's the head of the body and he knows the workings of the body and he places every member in the body as a supporting ligament. When every part does its work, then we grow and build ourselves up in him. That's what Ephesians chapter 4, 16 is talking about. And so those things are resident, they, they are permanent and they're being developed every day. But the spiritual gifts, the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit in, in chapter 12, that's something that the Holy Spirit, he divides severally at his own discretion. And let's say in, in, a, in, in our body, we don't really know all the needs that are present, but the Holy Spirit does. And if someone needs healing, he can bring the gift of healing. And let's say if, if he works it through Adrian and he tells Adrian to, to lay hands on Jessica and to pray for her for a certain sickness, you know, well, he's receiving kind of a word of knowledge. He's getting a knowing that, that he didn't know before. So he's obedient and he does that. He doesn't get the gift of healing because he doesn't need it. She's the one that needs the gift, right? He's just the vessel that it flows through. Are you following me? But sometimes we've confused this and thought, oh, well, so-and-so has the gift of prophecy and so-and-so has the gift of, of tongues and somebody else has the gift of healing. And no, no, the, a gift is for the person that needs it. We need to be a vessel that the Holy Spirit can can use to, to divide these, to separate these gifts for where the need is. And then Paul says, covet earnestly the best gift. Well, what's the best gift? The one that's needed at that time. So we've taught on this, but the body of, of Christ in general doesn't really understand this, and they get all confused on spiritual gifts out here. Well, Peter's telling us that we better understand this. The end is near. We've got to get this thing down. We need to understand because, well, Tim could be hurting us. Well, you know... My gift is exhortation. Okay, boy, suck it up. You're going to do it. You're going to make it. He don't need any more encouragement. He needs some help. <laughs> you, know, you know? He needs some help. It would be like, well, he ran out of gas, you know, out there, way out on some county, county road. And I, I passed by. Hey, buddy, good to see you. Yeah, man, can you help me get back to town? You know, I ran out of gas. Well, you know what? I believe you can do it. You are great. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, man. You can do it. Just believe it. He's like, okay, well, yeah, I believe. Can you give me 20 bucks to get some gas? <laughs> or can you give me a ride to get a gas can, you know? Come on. <laughs> help me out. 
People, this thing, being spiritually minded and preparing ourselves for the end and being the bride of Christ and, and to really be spiritual involves some very earthly things, some very tangible, real things. Jesus got crucified because he was so tangible and approachable by everyone. He walked where the people walked, you know, and he knew what their needs were, and he met those needs, and, and whatever it was, he, he saw that, and he had compassion, and he touched people, and that's what God wants for every one of us. Amen. The end of all things is near, so serve somebody, serve the Lord by ministering to somebody. So what he's doing here in verse 10, he's emphasizing that we're to serve each other with our spiritual giftedness. What God has done, you say, well, hmm, I didn't even know I had some spiritual gift. Well, you do. And you can discover that by, what, you know, what are your strengths and what comes natural to you? Oh, well, if that's natural, it couldn't be supernatural. Well, wait a minute. When God the Father created you for a certain thing, he built you and prepared you to be used in his body. And so when he takes those things that seem to be such, so natural and they're submitted to him and he puts the super on the natural, it becomes supernatural. And it ministers. Sometimes we miss the greatest miracles or just the simple things of being right there at that time, at that instant. Praise God. I went to Oral Roberts University and Oral Roberts used to say, expect a miracle. Expect a miracle, not just once in your life, every day, several times throughout the day. The other day we were making some set pieces for the drama that's coming up at uh, Easter time. And there's a, we're building a new cross. I've had my cross to bear, so um, <laughs> building a new cross. And in one part of this, the top part of it, it this is a, the style of cross that they, that they probably used really during that time where the... Uh, those that were being crucified would have carried the, the top beam, the cross member beam on the shoulder to that place where the upright was already in place and they set it down on there. So there's a, a hole in that cross member that has to be chiseled out and worked and then there's a part of the upright that has to be uh, hold that. And so I was working on that and I had this part, this one board that I was trying to work for that upright piece and I needed to, to cut it on that table saw and it was about this long. And it was real, it was about four inches thick, and the saw blade wouldn't quite get that high, you know, there's still about half inch down from there, and so I'm running it through there, and as I am, I'm running through my right hand, and that block starts to pop up and down. How many of you have run table saws before? So it starts to jump up and down. Okay, that's not good. Trying to pull it out, can't pull it out. So I just reach over like this, and I push it down, hold it down, which is no big deal, doesn't have any time, and start to push it forward, and it starts to jump again, and when it pops up, it knocks this hand off, and the pressure I was putting down on that came right down in that saw blade. Oh. I go, oh boy, that wasn't good. <laughs> what I didn't know was that there was a knot in the middle of that piece of wood, and since the blade couldn't get all the way out through the wood, it was still inside, it caused that tension. And so that, in turn, when I was pushing down, it knocked my hand off, my hand just came down into the saw blade. Man, I mean, it shredded it. Christian was there, he goes, oh man, we gotta take you to the hospital. <laughs> There's nothing there to stitch. <laughs> and it was hurting. And it was hurting bad. So I sat down and said, come pray with me. Let's pray right now. And so being in construction, I've, I've cut every one of these fingers and a few of these a few times. And this thumb pretty bad on a situation kind of like that, but with a skill saw where it hit a knot and backed up. And so I just, uh, I prayed and bound all pain and infection in, in Jesus' name. Very simple prayer. 
I want to tell you something, people. No joke, you could feel like, have you ever had that where you, you hold your hand, you know, and you cut off the blood supply and you do it like this and then you let it go and you feel that kind of that little tingle go through your hand? I felt that go through my finger and the pain left. And I go, well, praise God. So I thought, okay, I need to get home, need to take a shower, need to scrub this thing all off where there's no pain before the pain comes back. And I thought, wait a minute. I'm not going to set myself up for when the pain comes back. I'm going to believe that there just won't be any pain. And so that, and you know, I'm going to tell you, I've got a Band-Aid on this thing today. You wouldn't believe it. I, I wish I had the pictures to show you up here. But I have not had any pain with this finger. And so I, I just decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to expect a miracle out of this thing. We need to expect a miracle. Maybe it hasn't happened before. Maybe it might look kind of, go ahead and give God praise. We need to expect a miracle every day. And we need to have that type of faith that as we're serving the body and serving one another, that we, have, that we can link our faith together with somebody else's faith and whatever that need is, that we're there to minister as agents of, of victory from God. Amen. Remember the Blues Brothers? What was the name of that show? Was it the show The Blues Brothers? And they were, had this whole thing, we're on a mission for God, you know? We are on a mission for God. <laughs> we are on a mission for God, you know? And no weapon that's formed or fashioned against us can prosper. It cannot succeed in its intended purpose against us because we are God's agents of victory. we got to believe that. When you wake up in the morning instead of saying, Oh, good Lord, it's morning. You ought to say, Good morning, Lord. I'm ready for my assignments today. I wish I could tell you I did that this morning, but no, I, man, I wrestled with the sheets and got pinned. I wrestled with the covers and got pinned by the sheets. I had a restless night. I know God, the devil was trying to fight me on this. I preached all night long. I preached to, to him, I tell you, and we wrestled, but that's all right. <laughs> I didn't jump up quite like that this morning, but I did say, Lord, I thank you for another day, and I thank you I get, to, I get the opportunity to preach this morning and preach your word. And begin to praise him. When we get up, we ought to just start our day off saying, you know what? I know that I'm an agent of God. I've got a, a ministry that God's given to me. You say, well, what does that mean? Where you go to work, when you have Little League and you're with other parents or whatever, wherever you are, if it's your hobbies or, or your leisure time or your work time, you know, God, you're on call. 24-7, we're on call. You know, even like when the disciples, they went fishing. After Peter said, I'm going fishing, they said, well, we're going with you. And that's when they saw Jesus, you know. They saw him over there on the, on the shore. And, and God worked a miracle for him at that particular time. When he hollered out to him, hey, have you caught anything? No, we haven't caught nothing. Put the net down on the other side. And they did, and they caught this overwhelming load. And Peter's recognized, that's got to be Jesus. He dives off the boat and heads for the shore. Lord! See, in the times of when we are available to him, even in our leisure time, if we're expecting to see Jesus, he shows up. Amen. He's with us in our work times, in our leisure times, in our times of hobby, just all the time. He's an all-time God. Amen? He's not just a part-time God. You don't find him just on the... He's not a weekend warrior that you find on Sunday for a couple hours. He's every day, every hour, every second, and we need to realize that, and he has something for us. God has given every believer a ministry, and it's time we understand that. Well, so-and-so does, and so-and-so this, and the other people do, but not me. I just, I don't know what I am or what I'm to do, or 
I'm a nobody. No, you don't even say that. You are somebody. You're a child of God. You know, maybe we've just been confused on some things. But um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that, that 12th chapter that we were reading there, verse 28, Paul tells him, he says, And in the church God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles. Also, did you notice that teachers were above the ones that worked miracles? Praise God for all of our teachers. We're some of our Wednesday night teachers that are in here. Raise your hand, hold them up high. Amen for our teachers, amen. Don't take a back seat to when you see some, God work a miracle through somebody at all. Uh, it says, miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others with the ministry of helps, those with gifts of administration or, or governing or overseeing, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. So we see here all different varieties of, of spiritual gifts that, are, are, that God has been given for us to minister. Ministry of helps is such a broad range, and it means that we're there to help. What does that mean specifically? It means that you're ready to do what's necessary for whatever needs to be done. Right? If it's picking up a piece of paper in the aisle, or, you know, or if it's helping in some other way, it, you're, it's the ministry of helps. That's a broad category. And I want to tell you something. It's a pretty big category as well. It's a pretty important category. It's above overseers and, and various other things. Ministry of helps. And so we just have to be, we have to come back and, and, and have the Holy Spirit help show us some of our strengths and our abilities and, and some of our likes and the things that we just find ourselves naturally drawn to. And those, that begins to open up what our gifts are. I read there in, uh, there in Ephesians 4.16 that we've looked at this year and really taken and adopted as a verse that God has given to us this year. He says, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. People, it takes each one of us. If we're going to prepare for the end time, the, the end of all things is near, we need to be about doing our job. We need to be doing our job. What's going to happen when the Lord comes back and he finds us doing nothing? Hello. So, oh, now you're making me feel bad. Some of you are getting mad at me. Don't get mad at me. I'm just the mailman. I just deliver the mail. I don't write it. <laughs> you know, I'm just giving an oral delivery of this, this mail. That God, but God's wanting us to, hey, you know, listen up. Look up, you know, and get ready, you know, shape up. Let's get ready for this thing. The end of all things are near. We got a lot of work to do. And it's not that difficult. When we hear that four-letter word, work, we get nervous. But what's so neat is, you mean, you mean, I've already been doing that? Yeah, you've been doing it. You didn't even know it. Really? Do I get credit for that? <laughs> it's his grace that we do it. Uh, so the Bible's teaching, it's, it's clear that we all have a place where God wants us to serve in a, a significant fashion. He really does. And we all have this spiritual gift to, to minister in the body. God custom designed each one of us for a purpose before the foundation of the world. He created us and custom designed us. You know, I, I saw one time, I heard a little expression that Da Vinci only painted one Mona Lisa and... Uh, Beethoven only composed one-fifth sym symphony, and God only made one person like you. We are unique. 
an individual to God, and he's placed us together as members of this body to do something and get ready for the end of all things is near. People, it's not something to just pass off. It's important. It's urgent. When God gives you an assignment, he also gives you a skill set. Everybody say skill set. And that's where you begin to discover what your assignment is. If you discover, uh, just study your skill set. You say, what's a skill set? The things that you're skilled to do. What are you say? Look over the past successes and, and uh, you know, maybe when it comes to computers, man, it just it seems like it just comes natural to you. Well, we're living in a day and age right now where the, the mission field literally is found through technology that's, that's available to us. And we need, we need you as missionaries right here. You don't even have to, there's nothing holy about salt water. You don't have to get on a boat or an airplane and go some foreign country. You can do it right from your laptop or whatever, even your smartphone or God can do that if, if you have a certain, it just comes natural to you. What is it? You know, um, you know maybe you have, you know, whatever your gifts are, whatever just uh, that you're, you're, it just happens in your life that, that, you, that you're good at. Um, that's where God's trying to, to awaken you and say, I want to use you in those particular areas. Sometimes we don't think that, that uh, God could be using, you know, uh, in our natural skills and ability. These guys came in here and electricians and use their talents and, and put this electrical wiring in here. They're serving the Lord. Amen. You know, and, and using that talent and ability for God, they're ministering, ministering for Him. You know, so very natural things. And just look back and, and um, see where you've consistently been strong or done well in certain things and, and use those talents and abilities for God. Be a supporting ligament. Get in and see how you can use that to advance the kingdom of God. I jotted this little statement down. Stand at the intersection of your desire and your successes and find your uniqueness. That's where you'll find it. Right where your successes and your desires intersect, you're going to find your uniqueness. And that's what God gives you. A, a, he gives you grace in that particular area to excel where your desires and your successes are, and you've had success in that particular area, God says, I want to use that now for me, for my kingdom. All we have to do is just maximize our God-given gift. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7 through 9, if you want to turn there and look, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is saying here in verse 7, he says, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. So he's, I can hear those words, him speaking that to us today. We're saying the, the end of all things is near. And, and the Lord is saying, you don't lack any spiritual gift, even as you're waiting for his, him to be revealed, for him to come. You're not lacking any spiritual gift. Maybe you're sitting there saying, man, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. And he's saying, you're not lacking in any spiritual gift. You have it. Just discover what it is. He goes on to say, Back to verse 7, therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Verse 8, he will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you hearing this? By exercising your spiritual gift of serving the Lord and serving the body of Christ, he says he keeps you blameless to that day. Wow, that's amazing to me. People talk about how spiritually you have to be and think, well, you got to have this degree in theology and whatever to be way up here with God. Are you kidding me? Can you weld? <laughs> yeah. 
that, hey, then that's, use that for God and, and he'll, he'll bless you and, and hold you blameless before him. Praise God. He, pull, he, he took fishermen and used them and said, the same desire and your skills that you've used in fishing, now use them for my kingdom. I want to make you fishers of men. And he says, I'm going to use you. You have certain skills and abilities that nobody else has. You're good there. I, I put those in you. Now I want to use those for my kingdom. Praise God. And also we can talk to people on certain levels that nobody else can talk to. We can, it'll open a door for us to be able to witness and lead them to Christ. So verse 8 again. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. God who has called you into fellowship with his son Jesus Christ our Lord is faithful. Praise God, he is faithful. Need to, every morning when you wake up, say, God, I'm yours. Just use me today. As you're going to work or whatever you're, you're about to do throughout your day, give yourself to him. Give your day to him. The Bible says the steps of a good man, that means women too, are ordered by the Lord. Let the Lord order your steps. Be watching and, and be alert uh, through your abilities to see how you can be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, he said, don't neglect the gift uh, which was given you through the, the prophetic uh, message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Don't neglect this gift that was, that's been given to you. You know, there are certain ministry gifts that are imparted for a particular job, a particular assignment. He says, don't neglect it. I think we need to hear that word today. Don't neglect your spiritual gift that God has given to you. you know, if you're not sure what God has called you to do, then, man, get down on your knees before him every day, seeking him. Say, God, what do you want me to do? And don't look so far away that you think it's so far off. Look right where you are, right where you live, right where you walk, the things that you do, the things that come natural to you. That's why we most often overlook the things that are present. I read a story, and I don't know if the guy's name was Al-Hassad or not, but it was something along that line. And he saw this thing about diamonds, and, and if I'd known I was going to share this story, I'd have looked it up and got, all the, got all his name and all these different places right. But here's the gist of it anyway. That'd be okay? And he got fascinated with diamonds, and he saw what the, 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 the value of them were. And so he decided that he was going to just leave and go on this quest for diamonds. And he spent the next 25 years traveling the, the world looking for diamond mines and, and uh, trying to, to be able to discover and to, and to find diamonds and He'd exhausted his, his, force, his fortunes and everything, and he came back home, and he was really beaten down. He thought, you know, I've had this as my lifelong quest. I've gone everywhere that there is, every, every place where there's a possibility that there would be diamonds or a diamond mine, and I haven't found any. What a failure I am. And he was about, you know, just to give up, and he walked down to a little stream there on his property, and as he was there in that stream, he happened to look, and he saw something glitter. And he looked over, and what is that? And he found it was a crude diamond and end up find, discovering that one of the largest diamond mines there in, in the uh, coast of Africa was right there on the property that he owned and had been there all the time, but yet he'd left and went all around the world looking for it. Sometimes the greatest resources that we have, what, what our calling is, is right there at our feet, but we think it's somewhere else. Or we look and we, want, we begin to covet somebody else's abilities. Oh, I want to be just like them. I want to be just like them. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, but he didn't say, you know, just be just exactly like me. We're to become like Christ, of course, and his character and his nature, but be you. Yeah. There's a part in our drama that 
it, kind of the soldiers joking back and forth. He said, you just be you. You do you. You do you and everything else will be okay. I think that's a good word for us, you know. Just do you. You just be you. Don't try to be somebody else. You know, maybe learn from them and see if there's certain things you can apply and become stronger for who God has designed you to be. That's fine. But just do you. So find and discover that gift. And as he comes on down through here, uh, we, we see that, that uh, he says, the end of all things is near. And let me just say this. We need you. Light Christian Center needs you. The body of Christ needs you to be you. <laughs> to discover that spiritual gift and, and give yourself to it and, and begin to magnify that thing. And God will bless you and he'll bless the church through that as well. As we serve people it doesn't matter if it seems like that they're deserving or not. It's, it's not a matter of that at all. It's who God calls us to do. We do it because of who we are. I remember one time we were at a restaurant and uh, our waitress ha hadn't been very good at all. Really, she probably had a bad day and was, wasn't very good service. And I remember leaving a tip. And one of the kids, it was when they were younger, said, well, why are you going to leave her a tip? She did a terrible job. I said, I'm not leaving a tip because of who she is. I'm leaving a tip because of who I am. You know, that's the way that we ought to do. We ought to serve God, amen, not because of who somebody else is that we're serving or what they've done, but because of who we are. Do it because of who I am, who God called me to be, who he is in me. That's why we do what we do, serving without deserving. Because if we're looking, that if they deserve it, then we'll never find anybody that's worthy of our talents and our abilities, <laughs> right? Because we're already in pride and we can never find anybody because they would be ungrateful. But if we don't do it, for that, we do it for the Lord, then any type of uh, little appreciation that comes back at all, any little minute, you know, thanksgiving that that person might give back is wonderful. Amen. But if we don't do it for that. Are you hearing that? Yeah. That's a good thing to, to know as a servant of the Lord. You don't do it because of they're deserving of it. No, of course they're not deserving of it. But God's called you to minister to the undeserving Maybe they do deserve it. Maybe they are very appreciative. Those are wonderful people. That's wonderful times to be able to serve someone like that. God brings some of those along our path every once in a while just to encourage us. But most of the time, you know, they might not even know that you're the one that helped in a particular area. And in the body of Christ, you know, we just need to take spiritual initiative and just be you. Just do what God speaks to us to do in serving him in and through his, uh, his work. Praise God. Well, so we're to be praying without swaying. We're to be loving without judging, sustaining without complaining, and serving without deserving. And it comes down to this life goal that we're all to pursue throughout this. The end of all things is near. We're to be about some very natural, tangible things. And then here's what we're to pursue in verse 11. And it ends with this purpose clause. He says, so that... And we do all these things so that in all things, everybody say all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. We do all of these things not for somebody to praise us, but that God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. That's what we ought to pursue. You know, why are we to be clear-minded and self-control in our praying? So that God can get glory. You know, why have this unfailing love for the church, the body of Christ? So that God can get the glory. 
Why be hospitable without grumbling and complaining? So God can get the glory. You know, why do we serve people that, uh, as a good steward? So God can get the glory. That's what it's all about. It's so that, that, those two words right there at the very beginning of verse 11, so that, you know, uh, he's the one that needs to get the glory. When he is lifted up, he draws us to him. That's where we get our encouragement. It's from him. That ought to be our life goal to pursue. I want us to bow our heads this morning in his presence. You might say, Pastor, now hold on just a, a moment. I, I thought, you know, coming to church was so that I could get something out of it. You know, I, I thought I was supposed to have my needs met. I, I thought that I was supposed to be fed. I, I, I thought that I was supposed to be blessed by the music. You know, I, I thought, Lord, that... Uh, uh, you know, coming to the church existed, the church existed to help me. I thought people were supposed to, you know, invite me over, not me necessarily invite them over. I thought God put teachers in the church so I could grow. You know, I thought the nursery workers served so I could worship without crying babies. No. The Bible says, so that God is glorified. That's why people do those things. Not for you, really. It's so that you can be you. You can just be you, who God created you to be. You can find your uniqueness and your talent, your ability, and God can be glorified through you, through the things that you might think are so simple, so insignificant, but they're not to God because he designed you that particular way. Sometimes the simplest tool we see it working, we think, what? That's amazing. I could have made that. Oh, well, why didn't you? Some of the things that are so simple, they're so unique, but yet they're so needed. And God needs each one of us. And you might think that, well, my talents and abilities are just so simple. Anybody could do that. No. God called you to do that. Just be you. God's not glorified in, unless you are serving in capacity that brings glory to him you know he also says and do all things through my strength so God's not glorified unless you're serving in his strength not in your strength that's another thing when we start to serve him with the talents and the abilities that we have a lot of times we go in our own strength and we get burned out we get wore down we get weary but you're to do it in his strength we need to pray every day Lord give me the strength to be me Lord give me the strength to just be me who you created me to be Give me the strength, Lord, to, to be your hand extended through me. And take your eyes off of yourself and off of your schedule, off of your abilities, off of your wants, off of your needs, off of your comfort, hello, and serve for the glory of God Almighty. Wow. That might be the most important words I've ever spoken from this book. The end of all things is near. Just be you. Let's get our eyes off of our comfort. Well, I just don't feel like it. I didn't feel like coming to church today. What, Pastor? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm not kidding you. I didn't feel like coming to church today. You might not have either. I told you I had a rough night 
you know what? I thought, I don't have to go in my strength. I get to go in his strength. I get to go in the strength of the Lord. When you feel weary, when you feel wore out, when you feel neglected, when you feel like nobody appreciates you, then say, you know what? Wait a minute. It's not about me. It's about God. It's not that it's coming towards me. That's coming against the Lord. Lord, I'm serving you. And any of those things, whether praises or insults, they're all for you. You handle them however you want to. I'm just going to be me. I'm going to be who you designed me to be. And I'm going to serve you. Let me just tell you this. We close this. Time's short. We don't have long to put these instructions that we've read about in, into place. We really don't. I want to be real honest with you. When I used to think about the end times, man, I, I'd go right to the book of Revelation. I'm reading about blood up to the horse's bridle. I'm reading about catastrophic things happening and comets hitting the earth and one-third of the earth being destroyed and all these things. Those things are going to happen, but we're going to be gone. I'm going to be gone. I, I trust that you know him and you have a relationship with the Lord, but you'll be gone as well. We need to be mindful of those things, but here's what he... Peter is saying the end of all things is near. Now do these things. This is what's urgent. It's where our minds and our attentions need to be. So I'm praying without being swayed by our frustrations or, or the world or our attitudes, but praying clear, honest, God-directed prayers. Loving without judging somebody. Loving unconditionally. Being hospitable. that's who we are and serving when it seems like who we're serving or what we're serving doesn't even deserve it we're doing it unto the Lord why? so that God can receive all glory with your heads bowed this morning your eyes closed let me ask you this have you dedicated your life and your abilities your talents and all that you have to the Lord for his service if you haven't I challenge you to do that today maybe you've received him you're a child of God you have no doubt that you're going to spend eternity with him but people is he Lord of all have you dedicated your talents and your abilities to him so that you can just do you you can be you who he designed you to be the resources that you have the talents that you have be for his service I want to challenge you to do that today. And I'd ask you, with our heads bowed, nobody looking around, but just between you and God, if you raise your hand to him and say, God, I dedicate myself, my talent, my ability, my resources, everything I have to you and to your service, that I can bring glory so that you can be glorified through Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 It's a hard thing to do. challenge you if you couldn't raise your hand I want you to think about it come to that point of where you can the end of all things is near we got a lot a big job to do but when we all do it together just doing what comes natural or what God has given us to do it happens if you're here this morning and you're not sure you're really not sure about eternity you're not sure that if that end of all things were to happen right now where you could spend eternity if question marks are there and you're not sure of your that you're going to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ or maybe some loved ones or friends that 
that are Christians, if you're not going to spend it in heaven, if you're not sure of that, while nobody's looking around, why don't you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Because I really don't know. I'm not sure. I've heard about Jesus. I've heard about God. I've heard those things, but I'm really not sure where I'm going to spend eternity. But I want to know. I want to be sure. Don't walk out of here un unassured today. Just raise your hand if you need prayer to know that you know that you know. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Let me just share this with you. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us deserve Him. You can't ever do anything good enough to be a child of God. But Jesus did. The Son of God, He lived and died for us. Because He died, He paid the price. Because the price He paid gives us eternal life. To many as receive Him, He gives them the power to become the sons of God. Receive Him today. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then He says that He declares that you're a child of God. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. I want to pray a little prayer this morning and you can pray it with me. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm away from you. I can't save myself. But I believe that you sent your son Jesus to pay the price for my sin. His life. He died, but he rose again to save me from that penalty of sin. I received Jesus today and his payment for my sin as my Lord and Savior. And I confess with my mouth that he is Lord. Believe in my heart that you have raised him from the dead. I boldly declare today that I am a child of God. I am rescued from the penalty and guilt of sin. I will live eternally in heaven. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Hey, give the Lord praise. Amen. Y'all been great today. And uh, we got some really important things coming up.